Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. This is our first episode going back to two times a week, and I'm already sick of seeing you two. <laughs> is it you're sick of seeing us two because it's three people in the room, or you're just sick of seeing us in general? Yes. Uh, we've had this uh, new lighting for <laughs> way too long. <laughs> no, I just <laughs> Evan, <laughs> your coat, man. What about it? Your noisy coat. Your uh, this isn't the noisy coat. <laughs> this is... I can hear it. <laughs> I'm cold. We're one. We're not even a minute into the first episode of the new season, and we're already back to our old tricks. Well. It's cold down here. It's not. I'm cold. I got shorts and no socks on. Well, I you're you're a different person than me. <laughs> I'm And people say I'm the cop. Wait, which one of us is a cop here? You now. Why? Oh, cuz I'm wearing shorts and no socks? Yeah, that ain't That makes right. me a cop? Yeah. Those are the rules. Shouldn't I know the rules? I'm the cop. Well, now you do. Uh, this new season's off to a hot start. Congratulations, <laughs> you've completed your training. Oh, oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we've we've had this new lighting for a few episodes now. For those of you who catch us on YouTube, <laughs> Evan, this is how Evan. could you not catch us? We're, we reflect. <laughs> we look like stars, and not the kind that are celebrities. You could see, you could see us from literally wherever you are in the world. Yes, uh, this is Evan's first time here since we got the lighting. Um, thank you, Daniel Lighting. And his reaction was hysterical. I'm going to get under eye black paint. <laughs> because this is ridiculous. He has turned his body away from the camera because the lights, two of the lights are coming from behind the camera. I'm going to get like racehorse blinders. <laughs> just so I can see. No, because then you'll never look up from your phone. Oh, you know what I'll get? I'll get two eye patches or one of those sleeping <laughs> things. And I'll just sit here with my eyes closed. Miki's got one of those sleeping eye things for kids. You want me to go grab it? Does she have two? <laughs> it only really works if I have two. We joked that we were going to do uh, a bunch of like different bits, just like some physical comedy and not bring light to it. Just let people see. Oh, it we brought own. light. <laughs> so much light. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm being abducted by aliens. <laughs> it's so bright. Oh, God, my chest hurts. Being in this light right now is like, you know when you go to a bar and it's super dark and you see a girl and you're like, oh, yeah, she's she's good looking. Then you turn the lights on. It's like, whoa, this is what the basement's like right now. I'm seeing things that I've never seen before down here. Oh, yeah, I know. It's uh, we, We'll we see were... the spiders coming, which is, I guess, is the only positive. Well, the light's actually so bright it kills the spiders. Oh, yeah, that makes Yeah, it makes sense. them shrivel up. You can hear them steaming. That's uh, that smell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we When we turned the lights on, Brad and I went, oh, this is way better lighting. Oh, my God. It's so much more apparent that we're in a basement right now. <laughs> yeah. We are so happy that the studio is in development. Yeah. Oh, um, very, very exciting news, which I've told you guys a little bit about this. But in addition to we got a rug. And we got the well, obviously we had the we're painting the room and doing the floors and everything. Did you get a white rug? No. Good. Yeah, no. Uh, Can you bring it here until we use it because my feet are cold? No. <laughs> no. I'm afraid Ollie will pee on it. Um, There's but, a high likelihood of that. 
He's old. He can't control himself anymore. No, yeah, definitely not. Just kidding, but he'd do it out of spite. We are working with uh, Daniel Rossi from R&D Custom Woodworking in Brampton, Ontario, and he's building us a custom winged wheel podcast recording table. That is dope. For the studio. How un- He showed me the mock-ups, and I was like, oh, my God. If you guys go to rdwoodworking.ca and check out his work, you can see why we're so excited for this. Um, yeah, this this studio is going to be... Evan, lit. Lit AF? <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's not a big open basement like this, so imagine all of these lights in a smaller Jesus. room with white walls. Is it a big mood? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if petrifying blindness is a big mood for you, then yeah. Did you, Ra- listen, what? Did, did you listen to the last episode? Because I think I used the phrase big mood. No. Well, when <laughs> I don't know the last time I listened to any episode. Let's do Winged Wheel Podcast meta knowledge with evan lobsinger that's a new segment we're doing where we're going to test evan on how much he knows about the podcast it's going to be limited (laughs) but i'll do my best evan how many episodes of the podcast do you think we've published since we started recording oh my god i wouldn't even get that oh god well let's say how many years has it been it's been four four and a half now okay so that's once a week so that's 52 let's say 50 a year 200 episodes 250. That's not bad. We're at 273 right now. Wow. Yeah, that's not bad. That's pretty rough. This is a very underwhelming first ever segment of Winged Wheel Podcast Meta Knowledge with Evan Lopsinger. There we go. He has a bright future. <laughs> I'm kind I'm sort of one for one. Uh, for those of you who haven't picked up on it yet, this is our first uh, episode of the new hockey season going back to two times a week. Uh, we started this last year, and I remember when we put it out, we were kind of unsure. We didn't know how listeners would like it. We didn't know how patrons would feel about it. Uh, and we're like, yeah, we'll try it out for you know a couple weeks and then a full hockey season later. <laughs> yeah, and then all summer. When are you going back to two weeks? Well, here it is, guys. Yeah, we You're are welcome. back to two weeks up until uh, next j- j- June, July maybe forever we'll probably be at five times a week by the time we get there um yeah so free time who needs that our our original plan was to just start this next week but you guys have been clamoring for it and hockey news has picked up so we decided to do it for you on the docket today austin matthews has ruined our first ever two a week episode of the season uh because he's a jerk and so we have to talk about him and i feel like brad all summer saying do we have to talk about mitch marner the first thing i said was do we have to talk about austin matthews brad went yeah so we'll yeah. talk about Austin Matthews. We'll make it brief. We'll make it brief. <laughs> briefs. We'll make it briefs. <laughs> I was waiting for Ryan's reaction, and it was delayed, and it made it better. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about a uh, trade that happened, and actually, uh, actually, pretty significant one. Uh, we'll do. We'll talk about some signings. We'll do a rant about Tampa Bay and Braden Point, and uh, some other stuff around the league, and then we'll talk about. Red Wings preseason and then uh, overtime. Are you going to title that rant to the point? Yes, that's really good. Maybe that might be the episode title. To that, the point? Yeah, that could be the episode title. And then next week when Colorado signed Miko Rantanen for entirely too much money, the episode title will just be Rantanen, but R-A-N-T is capitalized. When did you get good at episode titles? We went for- To be fair, I've most of the episode titles have been me over the life of this podcast. I have few skills in life, but that seems to be one of them. You definitely, I think between the three of us, you definitely have at least 50%. Yeah. Actually, I think Evan's come up with like five. <laughs> Evan's had five, yeah. but his have been the best. Because he only speaks up if it's a 
straight up yeah i don't have much creativity in that sense no yes you do we keep saying this you were whenever you speak it's always like evan that was worthwhile why did you let me blunder for five minutes not with titles no yeah brad actually does really well with titles we we were good with titles for the first year and then we like ran out of materials because we're like we can only make the same pun so many times uh one time we caught ourselves making the same title three years straight without realizing it and, and then, then fourth year just did it as a self-aware joke. Yeah. Yeah. They're starting to get nuts now. And now we're talking about clicks and, yeah. you know, search engine optimization and all that. I had a good episode title for this episode before we started, but I can't use it. Thanks, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. All right. We're going to do it. Full moon in Arizona. Is oh, that the title? No. <laughs> Austin Matthews is, is just... Look, hockey... Pl- I've, we've said a million times, hockey players are young men who have been given a ton of money at a young age to play sports. Anybody who's expected, like, they're just not going to be the best people in the world a lot of times. And we know that. We were all hockey players. We know how objectively garbage hockey players are. I'm a, like, I, I was a bad person. I prefer the term lovable idiots, yeah. but. Does not excuse what he did. The, oh, it's just boys being boys or dumb idiot. No, forget that. That's all bullshit. He's an asshole. So he there, okay. So I'm clear on the situation because a few outlets I read didn't give quite an exact scenario. But there was a female security guard sitting in her car two in the morning, and Matthews just tried getting in, and then seen missing, and she's yelling at him with his pants down. Longer story. Uh, there were apparently incidents earlier in the day where the uh, security guard was telling off Austin Matthews and his friends for doing something. I can't remember what it was. I won't try to get into the details. They had a little bit of a back and forth. They ended up leaving. They came back later, wasted, and uh, she woke up in her car, or like she realized in her car, I don't know if she was asleep, that uh, these three young men were trying to get into her car. And then when she got out and confronted them, they said they want to see, they were obviously wasted, and they want to see her reaction uh, because they thought it'd be funny if they got in the car with her. And then she quickly informed them that she's a uh, military veteran with PTSD, and also she's a woman. Alone in her car at night at 2 a.m. and why this was inappropriate for a lot of reasons. Matthews ended. They argued. I guess Matthews walked away and pulled his pants down. And his buddies were like, "He's been doing that all, that all night, like up and down the street." He still had his underwear on. <laughs> and I mean, I guess that's a plus. Yeah. Look, I don't care what you feel about his, you know, preconceived intentions or anything like that. You don't do that in general, but you gotta as a human being on this earth have to have the self-awareness to say hmm a woman on her own at night at 2 30 in the morning in her car is probably not someone we should startle and harass with the whole bit of i'm gonna sneak up on you right is that just not taught in like common sense growing up i guess you've never been white and super rich i have been neither of those things (laughs) and it shows on me i've been 50 percent of those things Look, this is the the debate has gone on Twitter everywhere else enough. I think a lot of people have the right answer on this. So we're not going to get into the nitty gritty about what happened. But what I do want to talk about is how the team found out. Yes, because that is also unsettling. Kyle Dubas, who definitely had a quiet summer, um, found out on Twitter. Somebody dug this up. Somebody on Twitter dug this up uh, by going through like uh, they found his name in the Arizona like court files. Speaking of his name, I'm going to go on a tangent there. His middle name is Taylor, spelled T-A-Y-L-O-U-R. 
that's an arrestable offense by itself. Check that citizenship because he might be Canadian. <laughs> Secret Canadian. Yeah. Oh, man. The American national team is not thrilled about that. They're like, no, nah, forget the Olympics. We don't want him back. You guys get Matthews too? No. Yeah, the, the, the team finding out on Twitter is just like, Matthews, you definitely just threw away the captaincy, right? Oh, there's zero chance he gets it now. You can't. The team should be suspending him. I, oh, come on. You, you, I'm sorry. You get arrested and charged with something and you don't inform your team? You, oh, that a, happens all the time. <laughs> no. That happens to pro athletes all the time. Standing to, if, no, the, the first, if, if, if he played in Buffalo or Colorado and his name was Ryan O'Reilly, we would not be talking about right, this. No, but I'm talking about he didn't. T- he hit it from the team. Well, player, people, players do that all the time. What does that have to do with his team? It, That's his personal life. Oh, okay, uh, okay, pretend. hold on, on. Circle back then. So you wouldn't have suspended Kuznetsov for the cocaine thing? No. Okay, at least he's consistent. I'll give him that. I'm not concerned. Okay, the actions are one thing, and I think the NHL has already said that they're not going to suspend him yet for what's happened. Um, if you're the superstar player on one of the most prominent professional sports franchises in the world, and you get arrested, you have, three, you have uh, two calls. Your first call is to your lawyer. And your second call is to your agent, and your agent's first call should be to the team. So what does that have to do with him? He did none of those things. He did none well, of those. Oh, his lawyer obviously knew. Oh, his li- his lawyer probably and knew. And his agent definitely knew. Do you think... It... They're adults? It's on, it's on both. He's an adult. I don't want to hear that he's a kid. He's an adult. Yeah. He's 22 <laughs> years old. He's a grown-ass man. With a couple of sheets of money. Legitimately, he probably built his house with cash as bricks. Money Fort. Money Fort. Oh, man, Money Fort's making a comeback. Money Fort. Look, I know a lot. There's uh, Friedman came out, and I think Burke came out and said Tavares is rumored to be the captain. And uh, Friedman said it was. Uh, he believes that this decision was made before this whole incident. Everything that's been coming out beforehand has been aggressively pointing to Matthews being named captain, including a lot of like almost intentional teasers. I have a hard time believing that it wasn't going to be Matthews, and I have a hard time believing now that it will be Matthews. I always thought it was going to be Morgan Riley. Uh, I think the issue is that they know they won't be able to lock him up long term. He doesn't have a long term contract, and they're not. Yeah, gonna he's be able licking to his lips now. Yeah, Kyle Dubas can't afford a chapstick at the yeah. store, let alone Morgan Riley. Yeah, but you guys are missing the point here dubis doesn't pick the captaincy babcock likely does so they're they're not naming a captain day one you i don't know, think it's i don't think it's babcock's call we know who the captain's going to be if it's babcock's call luke glenn denning <laughs> god i hope so i was like brad can't believe that babcock's making this call right this is a setup or something <laughs> He might. He's going to be Marinson involved in the call, be. man. The co- coach gets more captaincy call than the GM. They're firing him in a year, man. Yeah, no, but still. <laughs> the what are we talking about? <laughs> um, Austin Matthews's porn stash. It's that's great a, caterpillar. That is great. That's probably the most unsettling part of this whole story. Forget seeing a creepy drunk white dude at two in the morning with his pants down. Imagine seeing a creepy white dude, drunk white dude at two in the morning with his pants down and that mustache. That just makes it 10 It'd times. It'd be like, like looking in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. The jokes write themselves this week. Uh, is that all we're going to do on Austin Matthews? Yeah, I don't want to talk about this anymore. If uh, One more point. God damn it. Kyle Dubas has to suspend him. One game. Suspend him from one game to, prove, to, to make a point. Because you can't be pulling that garbage. But why? I don't... 
there's no, what what he, world do you personal li- life? No, Brian. what world do you live in where you're a public figure and you're you're not a Brian, he's going to get 10 goals in the first week and no one's going to give a shit. You're right. You're definitely right. People are going to be pulling their pants down in the stands. <laughs> Someone is going to throw a pair of briefs on the underwear on the ice this year. Oh, uh, you're the worst person in the world. <laughs> Can we do it? No, I'm not doing it. No. Wait, wait, hear me out, Ryan. Winged wheel podcast boxers. We already oh, have man. talked about these. Sa- but Saturday we- night, Montreal in Toronto. Oh, think of the publicity we'd get. We would get so much advertising on no, that. It's... It wouldn't even make sense. It would confuse people. He did a stupid thing. <laughs> so we should do a stupid thing is what you're saying. No. A ticket would cost, you know, several hundred dollars. But think about how quick of an ad that is on CBC. The takeaway from this is, guys, don't be creepy to women, especially at night. We're moving on. Uh, there were... Uh, can we talk about how Mitch Marner will get the captaincy now? Can you imagine? Paul Marner's endgame came to fruition. The tr- city of Toronto would melt down if Marner got the scene. I'm here for it. What do you think Paul Marner's DMs are like right now? Like what he's DMing people? A lot of LeVar Ball in there. Oh, yeah. A lot of... It's very LeVar Ball. Yeah. Uh, there was a uh, two signings. The second one was Matthew Kachuk, and I'm going to talk about that one first because it's more boring. It's a three-year deal for $7 million. Uh, second highest AAV ever on a three-year deal, only behind Pavel Datsuk. Three years, 7.5 mil. Now, the reason that is uh, surprising that he got that much is because Braden Point uh, signed a three-year deal for $6.75 million. Gotta love that state tax. No. What's the third in, year? In what world is nine million? For, oh, so for, that's setting him up right for both for, of them. He right? deserves ten million now. We're talking oh, about Kachuk, point or both? Point. Okay. No, no, There's, no. Forget the no income tax. No income tax is a drop in the bucket compared to the discount he took, especially considering the, what Marner got. Here's the thing, though. Did he really? There's a reason the three-year bridge deals are always at a really low cap hit. Because the team knows, all right, fine, you're going to take us to the cleaners on your next contract because he'll be, what, 25? You're going to take a haircut now. 27. 26. 26. So, yeah, they know they're screwed on that next contract, and it's going to have to be eight years, and it's going to have to be for infinity money because now Tampa could make the argument, yeah, you only had a couple good years on that next contract. He'll be like, yeah, I had five good years. Pay me. So... Like they settle on the cap hit now, they made the third year of his contract the salary nine million dollars. So still not enough. It's still not enough. It should have been ten, but whatever. At least now he knows. Even if his next three seasons go in the tank, he's either going to be UFA or get nine million dollars. So, in through qualifying offer. Um. So I I get it. It's a loophole. I think more teams should do. I I think if you're a GM, this is the right move. Unless you are 110% certain your guy's going to be a superstar and be good into his mid-30s. Because now they'll have point until 26. He'll probably sign an eight-year deal, which will take him till 34. So you get every year of his prime. And on those last eight years, you're going to be well over on the salary cap. But there's going to be no risks with that because you'll know exactly who he is and what he's worth as a player. So, yeah, you're not going to get a discount on that contract. But you're also not going to get taken to the woodshed out back and get murdered by it. So... I, I like the three-year deal from a team standpoint. Um, Detroit just did it on a two-year with Mantha and Athens, you and Bertuzzi, so it's kind of the same thing. 
Kachuk did it. Looks like Line A wants to do it. Uh, who else did it? Wierenski, Provorov. There's no risks on these contracts. Yeah, lines you up to make some serious bank on your next deal. Yeah, it's the whole reason Larkin only took, uh, what was it, five years? Because he knows he's getting paid on the next one. Counterpoint. Uh, Braden Point can make all that sweet money on his next deal no matter what because he's an incredible young player and still got, could have gotten paid way more now. Oh, I agree. I, I bet you Tampa would have been willing to do an eight-year contract at like nine and a half, ten million dollars. Um, but if you're Braden Point, do you want that next contract coming at, what would he be there then, 31? Uh, I'd rather get paid. I'd rather two paydays if that were just me, but. It's still, it's just the 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 way Tampa Bay gets away with this is absolutely. But mild. every other team just did it. Like I said, Provorov, Wierenski, Kachuk. Like it Kyle Zubis hasn't gotten to that chapter of the, the textbook yet. No. And this does bring into light. Kyle Dubas, I think, did what he had to do considering the mess that was going on in Toronto. But he did do substantially worse than these other GMs. Yes, I I He has set the table for some bad omens to come, especially with Morgan Riley coming up. Yeah, he managed to stagger Marner and Matthews, which was important, so they won't be up in the same summer. But they'll both be in their mid to late 20s when that contract's up, and they're going to get paid again. And this time, there will be risk to that contract because Marner and Matthews' next contracts, assuming they want eight years again, will take them into their mid to late 30s. So, yeah. Now, mind you, Kyle Dubas doesn't care because he knows the Toronto Cup window is in the next five years. So, he's either got his cup or he's fired. So, he doesn't care. No, yeah. Which is fine. But, yeah, if you're looking at long-term success of the team, I'm, I'm a big fan of the three-year, then big contract. It's yeah no it is definitely good for the team. Uh, wonderful contract, Dylan Larkin. That deal looks better and better every day. He's getting that other payday though. At what's Larkin going to be at the end for that next contract? Twenty seven. Young. Yeah, he'll be right. He'll be right in that sweet spot to cash out. Yeah. So and just old enough that you'll get him into his mid thirties, and those back couple years of the contract might be a little yeah. And again, this is all under the assumption these players take eight-year contracts, but I would assume at that point in your career you want an eight-year contract. This is all under the assumption that eight-year contracts are still in the CBA. This is true. They- well, next CBA is three years away, so when all these contracts are expiring, fine. That won't throw any complications into anything. No. No. The- Unless they settle ahead of time. Which would be <laughs> interesting. <laughs> okay, uh, silver or uh, not silver lining. Uh, thought I had with the CBA not being reopened. Yay, more hockey. Yay, good. Yay, no lockout yet. Bad point. The Red Wings would have to wait until 2022 for any potential compliance buyouts that would be gifted from a new CBA. Which means... You know what I'd rather have than compliance buyouts? Hockey. Hockey. Right, but imagine... <laughs> They missed no hockey and could just do it now. Objectively, if this entire NHL season was just washed away and Detroit got two compliance bouts, that might actually be the best thing for this organization because then Grand Rapids may have the most stacked team in the AHL. They might still have that, but then it would be guilt-free. Yeah, you wouldn't have to feel bad about it. <laughs> That'd be Zadina, Rasmussen, Chalosky, Horonic, like all these guys. Could you imagine that team? Do you remember the Canadian World Junior team? The 05? Yeah, yeah, and then they, they still didn't. No, not 05. It was during the uh, half lockout in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Where they had everyone. McDate? No. 
No. Who was on that team? Anyways, that team was stacked, and they lost. <laughs> they lost, and I was like, that's embarrassing considering the roster that you have. Uh, yeah, anyhow, Braden Point is... That team is... Tampa Bay did it. In great shape. Tampa Bay did it with virtually no pain or suffering. Apparently, it wasn't even that strenuous of a process. Um, What's Vasilevsky's contract? A lot. Um, well, a lot it doesn't kick in time. this year. It's yeah. it's relatively late this year, and then it's ten and a ten million dollars or nine and a half million dollars starting next season. AAV. Yeah. AAV. Oof. That's carry price money. That's big. Um, sorry, uh, Cholowski just scored from the point. Off of Hiroshi Pass. Ooh, those are. That's what I like to hear. Unless Rasmussen tipped it, I mean, I actually can't tell. This is Ryan. Yeah. Stop. I can only. Anyways. Well, Rasmussen already had a goal while you guys were talking. That's why I'm zoning out. I'm watching this Rasmussen goal. He buried it out front. It was Larkin to Bertuzzi, and then Rasmussen buried it out front. Um. Yeah. I don't know if Rasmussen tipped that. It's hard to say. Uh. Anyhow, moving on. What were we talking about? Braden Point. Braden Point. Uh, Kachuk's deal, I think, is you know good for Calgary. Same deal, same thing. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to the valuation on these UFAs or RFAs. We thought there would be. All that's really done is uh, Marner got his deal, and everyone went, "Well, shit, we can't afford that." That's now, not what we're doing. Now let's put into perspective that Boston got Charlie McAvoy on this contract for under five million a year. What's Travis Konechny's contract? It's pretty team friendly too. Five and a half. Five and a half. Something like that. I like that. Yeah, that's a good deal for Travis Kinney. Yeah. Uh That's a good deal for Philly, I should say. There's, yeah, I, I it's good to see that. Um, what about tra- Brock Besser? What was his again? Uh, almost the same as everybody else's three years. at somewhere between five Jeez. and seven. We are going to see a um, tidal wave of money in the next three years. Yeah, oh, Im- yeah, imagine this exact summer, except it's now their main contracts. Honestly. Yeah. Because Kyle Connor, Miko Rantanen, and Patrick Line haven't set up yet, and they might all end up on three years as well. Remind me, three years. <laughs> well, uh, oh, believe me, the hockey, two years. hockey media will remind you. Calgary's uh, Calgary's contracts all end at the same time now. Like, they have, like, like three of their key players, Goudreau, Kachuk, and Giordano. Not Giordano, someone else. Giordano will be, like, 100 years old by then. Yeah, so he'll probably be having another Norris season. <laughs> Um, they have a bunch of contracts all coming up in three years. Perfect time to start a rebuild. Yeah, they will have Sam Bennett. In- no, no, sorry. Kachuk, Goudreau, and yeah, Giordano. I was right. Well, Giordano, well, yeah, he'll be 38. They'll still have to pay him a ton of money. <laughs> One year, 10 mil. Um, That's a Norris trophy for $10 million. Yes. Moving on. I'll move us along here. Uh, Dustin Bufflin, speaking about teams out West. Every day I'm Buffalo. Well, no, every day you're not now because Dustin Bufflin has stepped away from the team and Winnipeg has had a bad, bad offseason. Their defense, um, hmm, I don't want to say Detroit-esque, but they're getting there. Yeah, they went through a lot of... Still have Josh Morrissey, though. Good deal. Yep. Uh, They went through a lot of kind of tumultuous offseason that they really didn't foresee going there or going this poorly. And for a team that just had two runs where they really should have been Stanley Cup contenders, you have to imagine how crappy they feel right now. And as a kicker, they still don't have an airport. <laughs> or a Patrick Line or a Kyle Connor. It's already started snowing there. Has it actually? Is that why no. Buff- is that why Bufflin's not reporting? 
That's why Kuznetsov is asking for a trade. <laughs> Kuznetsov. Oh. Uh, anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so cool. remember how last year the right side of Winnipeg's defense was Truba, Myers, and Bufflin? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Who is it now? What are you doing this season, Evan? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm left-handed, so I'm screwed. You're playing your off. Oh, I shoot right. I could, I could transition to defense. I can give it a run with Winnipeg, I think. They got nobody else right back, back there now, right? Uh, Kulikov, Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, which is, wasn't a great acquisition from New York, according to uh, New York and Winnipeg fans. Nathan uh, Boilu. which is, yeah, I'm so used to Buelo, but Boilu because he has a bunch of vowels in there. Bowl. Sammy Niku and Tucker Pullman. So I, I ran out of names that I knew. Man, they have a defenseman on. named Tucker. That sums up how bad this is. Yeah, yeah. A lot of pressure on this team now. Sheveldayoff's going to have to make a move. I really thought that they would try to pick up Justin Falk. Do you know who uh, there were rumors that that was almost happening? Yeah. Uh, do you know who would make a lot of sense for Winnipeg this year if they want to be good? Mike Green. Hey. Right-handed shooting offensive defenseman to quarterback a power play. Because you know what they don't have right now? A power play quarterback. Morrissey could do it adequately, but that's not his thing. Um, and also, you need a right-handed shooting defenseman on your power play to set uh, line A up for some dingers. Trade for him early. That's my recommendation to Winnipeg. Trade for him early instead of waiting all year right for now. him to get injured. Yeah. Right yeah, now. Absolutely. Please, for love of God, Winnipeg. Uh, what will we take in return? Nick Ehlers. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? There's no chance of that happening. Maybe a second round pick. No. I don't even think that they get a second for this version of Mike Green. For a full year of Mike Green, I could see it. Yeah? Yeah, he was still a half a point per game player last, like for the chunk of games he played last year. That still makes him above average point producing defenseman. He's a defensive train wreck, but hey, dingers. 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 It's dinger season again. Mark Shifley could bail him out. Yeah. The, the team's not bad by any means, and they'll have production. <clears throat> I, I think Line is going to have a huge year. Has Line, you know, Line hasn't signed, and Ranton hasn't signed. That's and Kyle like. Connor hasn't signed. Yeah. But Kyle Connor skating in Michigan. Read into that what you will. He's in Ann Arbor. That's all I'm saying. For Mike Green. Uh, speaking of trades, uh, St. Louis did trade for Justin Falk. Justin Falk in a fifth. And they shipped away Joel Edmondson and Dominic Bach um, and a seventh-round pick. And then they signed Justin Falk. Yeah, they signed Justin Falk to a pretty hefty. The trade itself was fine. Do- giving up Dominic Bach for Justin Falk is a worthwhile risk. Um, that contract, though, is – what's the technical term for here? Uh, real bad. Mm-hmm. What's their cap situation like? And isn't Petrangelo coming up next year? Soon? Falk is their Petrangelo insurance. Right. Yeah. Which I don't know why you're buying, to be quite honest. It's very confusing. I mean, maybe they think they're going to win again with this group, which they could. They could for sure. It's just uh, Falk perplexing. Is, Falk bit. is an upgrade on Edmondson, no matter how you want to break that down. Yeah. And Bach didn't play on the team last year. So objectively speaking, St. Louis did get better as a team. Their cap situation just got a lot worse. Yeah, they signed him for, what, seven years? Yeah, at uh, what, seven million a year? Six and a half. Can six Brett, and a half. Can Brett Hall's liver survive no. if they go on another run? They might not have to. No, he will not wake up until Justin Falk's contract expires. Rubbing his nipples. <laughs> There's that. Evan, welcome back, man. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I don't love the... I, 
I thought the trade was fine. I don't quite understand why they acquired him. I don't really think it was Petrangelo insurance. Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna lock down Petrangelo, right? Like you're just gonna do it. You have to. If you're Alex Petrangelo as a 30 year old top pairing right handed shooting defenseman, what are you asking for is on a contract? Eight mil. Cool. Do you, yeah. Do you give that as a GM to a 30 year old defenseman? Yeah. If it's Petrangelo is your captain, I think you gotta just won you a cup. Mm-hmm. Remember when Chicago did that with Brent Seabrook? Yeah, they won three cups. They're fine. <laughs> I'm not too concerned about Chicago, you know? Uh, yeah, it's not a great contract, but it is what it is. It seems to be the trend more often than not with defensemen. People sign them for too much money too late in their careers. Um, the dominant, the th- cool fact about Dominic Bach is he is the inspiration for why Mo Sider wore his bow tie at the draft. Neat. Fellow German drafted a year prior, was it? Yep. And he was wearing a bow tie, so Don or um, Mo Sider said, "Yep, I want to do the same thing." The Dominic Pock pick was actually one that gave me a great sigh of relief when it happened. Why? Because St. Louis traded up to get him. Oh, and I thought for sure they were going after Valeno because mm. everybody was every time someone traded up in the twenties, which I think was the Rangers and Blues. Everybody's like, "Ah, here's the team that's coming to get Valeno." Because you you have to at that point. Valeno falls that far, you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, and then all of a sudden, and then they just let him fall. Here we are. Uh, yeah. Hockey's slower in terms of Red Wings news, but uh, the preseason has been going. Um, there haven't been too many games in, with like a kind of heavy hitter lineup, as you know, for preseason. Not that the best players don't play every game. Uh, but we did get one game prior and one game literally right now as we're recording. You can tell because we're talking about it uh, with like the Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi line. Um, you know, Cholosky's on the ice. You have Hiroshi out there. Um Man, Mantha has just been absolutely tearing it up. Yep. He going to score 40. Mantha is a 40-goal scorer, and if he's not, it's a disappointment. I, I would, If he gets 35, I think we'll all be tickled. Mantha has a tools to We're be going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Someone's got to. If we have a 40-goal score, I would be shocked. I'd be very happy. If he's not scoring uh, 40 goals... It means he's either hurt from punching someone in the face again or not playing on the top line. Or uh, he's buried in his own zone because he remembered who the defensemen for the Detroit Red Wings are. Yep. Look, with the amount of quality minutes he'll be getting with Larkin, I can't see how he avoids 35. So here's the one thing that might work against him. And uh, I think it was Prashant and I were tweeting about this um, tonight. And I believe Max actually put it in an article not that long ago. Mantha will score 40 if Dennis Cholosky makes the team. Now, that sounds like an overly bold statement, but Mantha is going to play on the first power play unit. He needs Dennis Cholosky on that power play unit because he needs a left-handed power play quarterback to set him up for some dingers because he needs that crisp pass right in his wheelhouse and just tee up from the top of the circle. That pass is not as easy to make for a right-handed shooting defenseman because they either have to make it on their backhand or turn their body to make that pass. And as soon as they turn their body to make that pass, the goal is going to read it a mile away. Right. So... Cholosky on the top power play unit versus Heronic or Green does make a big difference to Anthony Mantha, which is just a finer point of the game that's worth noting because that is how Mantha is going to score a lot of his goals this year. He's got the best shot on the team, so he needs to use it as often as possible. And if he doesn't have someone getting him the puck in order to use it as often as possible, he's going to have several wasted opportunities. Cholosky will see NHL games this year, quite obviously. 
um, it's his. It's up to him on whether or not he makes the team. There's not people standing in front of him like there were last year. Like the spot is has his name on it. He just has to he, produce and defend the way the team wants him to consistently. He, he just has to prove to Blashill that he's better than Erickson or Daly. Notice how I said Blashill, not the rest of us, because we all know. Yes, of course. Um, speaking of which, just while we're on the power play, given that uh, the second power play unit quarterback is almost certainly going to be a right-handed shooter, do you just put Heronic and Green on that unit and use one of them as the trigger man on the on the opposite half wall? Honestly, maybe. Because I, I don't, I can't think of a better option there. Why not? You'll see it at some point this year. Put Zadine on one side, uh, let's say Heronic on the other side, and Green just tees them up. Yeah. Rasmussen net front, and then I actually don't give a crap who the hell they put in the bumper on that unit. Just someone. Someone. They won't need it. They'll just be circling it around the diamond and Rasmussen banging everything in. Put Dan Bilesma, honestly. Yeah. Dan Bilesma, uh, 01 and 0, as his record as Red Wings head coach. He was a head coach last game. Oh. Yeah. The Pittsburgh game, I believe it was. Yes. Yeah. Where the Penguins were parading out Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, and the Red Wings were parading out, well, the Griffins. Yeah. Uh, that's, or sorry, Glenn Denning Abdicator Helm was like the first line or something like that. Yeah. So it was pretty much more of a tryout for Mo Sider and the rest. And Mo did well. He did well. Um, we'll do more roster projections once we do, once we talk about, uh, our Red Wings season preview, which will be coming on October 2nd. I believe that episode is, it's a I, keep, lot. I keep seeing a lot of rumors going around that the Red Wings are going to keep 13 forwards, eight defensemen. I haven't seen the source that comes from, but we've talked about that all summer, that that's the logical thing for them to do. So I still expect, yeah. I still expect that to happen. Uh, yeah, we we've been talking about it. Uh, Mick said something on a broadcast actually. Uh, okay. And he said it, he didn't say who said it, but he said it pretty confidently. Yeah, especially after the game Bowie had against the, who was it that he scored the OT winner against? Oh, uh, Island, I don't know. Islanders, we played the Islanders like 100 times. No, it wasn't the Islanders. It was someone. It was someone, but he had a good game. Uh, did you see Bowie try to step up for that hit tonight? Woof. Yeah, bad. Swing and a miss. He's, that was bad. That's the part of Bowie where I'm like, look, he good offense, sure, fine, but look at that. <laughs> Nicholas Cronwall, he is not. Cannot. The defense is hard. He's not doing it real good. That's my expert analysis as a defenseman. How He telegraphed him self-stepping up, but then moved out of the way so he wouldn't run into the player. <coughs> and the forward lost control of the puck. That's the best part. I'm dying here. Effective defensive play. He missed the puck that was off the forward stick, and he missed the player completely, and the forward regained control on the other side of him. Mm. It went on for an odd man break. That's that's less fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm not so high on Madison Bowie. It's that kind of thing. But do you know who Madison Bowie is not? Jonathan Erickson or Trevor Daly. He's definitely as serviceable as them, but younger. Yes, and shoots right, and is nicer. Well, they're both nice guys, but he's very nice. He's just so nice and sweet. And has a root for him. And actually has an offensive dimension to his game. Yes, he he does. He does jump up, and I I do appreciate that. Jonathan Erickson is actually negative value in the offensive zone. I think there's points where he gets confused and starts defending. I hate seeing those, like... Like anytime someone comes out with a new analytics model and they're like, here's, you know, I, I did the top 100 and worst 100 players. It's just like at the bottom of every list in terms of the amount of wins they provided to the team and the amount of expected goals they gave the other team when they stepped on the ice is just always Applicator and Erickson. Always those two. Every time. I'm just like, without fail, God damn it. At least one of them has one year left. Um, 
Erickson's injured. I thought I read Soft today. Soft tissue injury, yeah. Soft tissue Uh-oh. injury. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Was he doing his best Austin Matthews impression? Yeah. or I don't know. And it just was. went awry? <laughs> I genuinely don't know what the, the injury was. I haven't been catching every preseason game. Uh, I planned on uh, catching this one, but... What kind of report is soft tissue injury? Oh, my God. I'll look it up. Jesus, Eric. No, I remember reading that. You're right. But why who, Why would they report it that way? Just say upper or lower body. Don't. What is this garbage? Erickson injured for six. That can't be right. This is from 2017. Come on, Google. Jeez. Ryan, get it together, man. He's out until uh, lower body. Lower body soft tissue. Oh, oh no, poor guy. Had is a it... preseason game in Thailand. <laughs> Jeez. Or he got the Nick Lidstrom special in, uh, yeah, in a game. I, I forgot about that. That was. I felt so bad. Yeah, no, I can't read that report. It's, it physically hurts me to just read. Yeah. And if anybody's wondering what we're talking about, uh, good, don't look it up. No, I felt really bad for, for Nick there. Yeah. Um, yeah, the preseason's been going well. They have like four games in four nights, and whenever this happens, I'm like, oh, I can't wait until normal regular season stuff, uh, where we have actual spacing between games. <laughs> yeah, nobody but, wants that many games in that short of no. time. Mel's always like, "What are your plans?" I'm like, "Watching the game." <laughs> That's the dream, buddy. That yeah, the... when they have an NHL roster every night, it's like baseball games where they play one game at noon and another game's at seven. Yeah, sometimes they have to make up for like rain delays and stuff. That is ridiculous. Same team. It's like the Tigers lost and lost in the same day. Oh, man. They do a lot of that. You guys want to know a fun Detroit Tigers stat? I'll read it out for you. Uh, okay, losses this season. Tigers on the road, 53. Astros, 54. Dodgers, 56. Yankees, 57. Tigers at home, 59. What does that mean? Sorry, the teams I read out that weren't the Tigers, those were their total losses. Oh. And oh. I, yeah, the, tig- oh. <laughs> the Tigers oh. have the <laughs> they locked up the first overall pick. That's a good. Don't they have a good pitcher somewhere? Uh, they've had a lot of good pitchers. I meant like name like Casey Mize or something. Yeah, He's still yeah. on the team. Yeah, they they do have I haven't I haven't followed as closely so I don't want to speak too firmly to it for people who know better. They have tools. They Casey Mize or Mize, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. It's Mize. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, he was their, uh, their top pick from last year, the year prior, and then they're going to get the top pick again this year. Detroit sports are in a place right now. Yeah, I, I knew it was rough when um, – I think it was the Athletic did that thing, which of the major Detroit sporting teams is soonest to win a cup, and the answer was the Red Wings. Oh, no. The, the Lions are technically undefeated right now. 2-0-1-1. Do you know who else is undefeated right now? The Buffalo Bills. There Three and zero, buddy. The Lions. There's only eight undefeated teams in the league, and it's the the Bills and the Lions are included. We will never see this again in football history. Have you seen that gif of the baby elephant falling into a kiddie pool and shitting itself at the same time? <laughs> and it said, "Still counts" because he made it into the pool. That's how I feel about the Lions being undefeated. It was that close. Yeah. yeah. Well, but if it makes you feel any better, Buffalo plays New England this weekend. Oh, Godspeed. Yeah. It's funny. Everybody's like, yeah, the Bills aren't that good because the teams they've played's records one in five. Switch my count argument. Yeah, well, the records of the are one in five or one in eight, sorry, because it's been three games. And then the Patriots is 0 and 9. <laughs> they've not had difficult schedules so far. Yeah, but do you think. Do you think that uh, the Buffalo Bills are going to beat the Patriots, or do you? Think no, absolutely they- not. It's going to be a closer game, I think, than people are giving it credit for. Mm. 
but they are definitely going to lose. But here's the truly impressive thing about the Bills being 3-0, and, and this is my last point. five more seconds of Bills yep. talk. Because this is just to take a shot at another team. Is there 3-0, and they haven't played the Dolphins yet? No, they're playing the Dolphins. Twice. Right. Uh, should we just move on to overtime? Is it overtime? Oh, uh, Seattle News. They hired the first ever uh, professional or female professional pro scout in Cami Granado. She knows hockey. Home. Yeah. She done good. She do good. And uh, who is it? Uh, Seattle also hired Alexandra Mandricki. Uh, oh, yeah. She was to like- be one of their le- their lead analytical mind. And also, I think she has a much more prominent role with actually setting up the organization. Yeah. They brought her in and then she brought in Ron Francis like immediately afterwards. Perfect. She was like the biggest haul. That was uh, her. She and Andrew Thomas were like the two biggest letdowns in terms of uh, Minnesota losing people. Like they let both of them walk. Or I think they let Andrew Thomas walk and then she left and then they were like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not supposed to if you are lucky enough to be paying either of those people uh, for their brains in hockey, you're you're lucky and you should not let them go. And they did the opposite of that. Very stupid Minnesota. Don't do the what Minnesota did. And that's what Seattle's doing. It's working out great for them so yeah. far. We're doing the opposite of Minnesota. So for these midweek episodes, for these two-week ep- episodes, overtime is uh, exclusive. Hold to- on. Just a quick thought. Yeah. So if they're doing everything the opposite of Seattle, would their team name then be the Seattle Mild? <laughs> the overtime is exclusive to patrons. <laughs> their comments get right out. The look of defeat on your face. <laughs> Garrett TV says, Ryan, congrats on having a tweet featured in an athletic article. Yeah, I didn't know that was... Uh, I retweeted the article, and then I read it a few hours later. I went, oh, that's me. Thanks, Max. Neat. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of the journalist Max Boltman. He covers the wings for the athletic, FYI. Anywho, for some reason, he deemed you a credible... There, there it is. He deemed you a credible reference for that Mantha near goal, which Tristan Jerry robbed uh, a couple of days ago. Strange world we live in these days, but congrats on your big break. Also, o- OMG Hockey's back, and so are two weekly episodes of the Dub Dub. Rejoice and be glad, and thanks for making uh, our somewhat our offseason somewhat bearable. Let's go Red Wings. Jonathan uh, M. Shulman says, what do you guys think of this as a twist of the winter classic? Similar to what college hockey does with the Great Lakes Invitational or the Bean Pot. What do you guys think of the NHL having a mini winter classic tournament? You get four teams to participate, two semifinal games. The winners face each other and the losers have a consolation game. I think it'd make an interesting change to the yearly winter classic. Are these regular season games or is this just a whatever showcase tournament? I'm sure there's a way you could work it into the schedule where, like, you have those games that can flex. Well, soccer has, like, derby games, right? Yeah. They don't... Do they mean anything other than just bragging rights? Uh, no. Oh. No, the derbies don't mean... Like, they're just bragging rights. So... They have, like, cups and stuff, too, like, in-league tournaments, but that's a whole different right. structure. <clears throat> so what I really don't need in my life is three more Hawks and Penguins games. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say no. How about we just do one Winter Classic game and call it a day? How about we just stop with them? Yeah, I like them. I love being hung over on my couch watching hockey outdoors. Yeah. While I'm indoors. It's it's been a good tradition. It's just like January 1st recovering and just watching the game. Going, seeing it's 1230 and looking up going, oh yeah, it's My dress shoes are still on. (laughs) You're still outside. Yeah. Still wearing your tie as a bandana. It's been way too many times I've done that. Yeah. Uh, Joseph D'Elia says, sup guys, uh, I asked Corey in his athletic Q&A if after watching Moritz uh, Sider, if he's worthy of a top 10 pick, and he said yes, uh, but still likes three others more. So that's good for Coinbit or whatever <laughs> whatever Ryan says. Thanks. Good for Coinbit. I like that. I like that it's evolving. Um, I do have a message 
to read out, but I'm going to wait. Uh, Yako Ryuta says, uh, who I believe is a new patron, welcome to the uh, Winged Wheel Podcast family, Yako. Um, so, or if I'm pronouncing that wrong, you let me know. Speaking uh, of which, we're getting very close to our patron goal of 200, which comes with the next prize. Jersey. We're getting very close. Jersey giveaway. Uh, it was so, it, it wasn't that long ago where we did our last one, eh? I know, this shot, we 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 didn't aim high enough on this one. So I think we aimed plenty high. We upped it by like, what, 50 patrons and we reached it in, in the off season. Yeah, yeah. The next one's gonna be like seven hundred. <laughs> but then we'll actually give away Justin Abdelkader. He's just yours. Uh you can have him. By the way, uh Joseph Delia, we wanna wish you a very happy birthday. Uh your uh, girlfriend Tabby reached out to us and told us how much she loved the show. So happy birthday, man, from all of us. Happy birthday. Uh Yako says, So Austin Matthews is Captain Underpants from now on, right? Anyways, Ferk Mary Kill, Fedorov Burre McGilney. Oh, don't make me do it. I you, can't. I you love Mary McGilney. I marry all of them. Rock solid. No, I'm no McGill. I'm killing McGilney. You also marry Beret and you marry Fedorov. I marry all of them, but uh, Beret and Fedorov are two, of my, are two of my favorite hockey players of all time. How do you kill? You can't kill Pavel Beret. He was one of the most magical players you could ever watch. He was the most exciting player in the '90s, so he's easily the Ferk. Yeah. Yeah. But then, oh, have you ever seen that gif of, uh, oh, oh, caught it, of Sergei Fedorov before the All-Star game in like 95 where he's just making love to the camera? Of course Brad is familiar with that. Oh, it was floating around Twitter like a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> Cody G says, counterfactual what-if scenario. We always struggle to debate the greatest players in hockey history because of different eras, rule changes, equipment changes, systems, and athletic development. If you could take any one of the greats and bring them up in today's hockey, who would truly be the greatest in history? Uh, Wayne Gretzky, because I believe in hockey intelligence above everything else. Uh, if you take someone like Gretzky, Howard, Shard, or anyone else and pretend they were born in the early 90s, what do you think we could expect from them today? Would they still show that dominating talent, or would the separation between them and the rest of the league be smaller? Connor McDavid is my pick for the most talented player today, but how would he compare to Gretzky if the latter was born in the same year as McDavid? I'm guessing even the cap system would affect things because it might change the quality of the talent around them. Here's the thing. Wayne Gretzky, yeah, played in an easier era to score. You look at how he was producing relative to the talent around him, though, and the best talents in the league. He was doing otherworldly things. The answer here is Wayne Gretzky. Yes. It's always going to be Wayne Gretzky. Um, Any other answer, as much as I love Lemieux and Orr and how is wrong. It's Gretzky. He was he was putting up 215 points in a year where objectively there was a ton of scoring, but then why wasn't anybody else putting up over 150? He was winning the scoring title by like 60 points until Lemieux came in. Here's the thing. Cody asked a good question, and Gretzky was so good where it, it makes the question moot. Like, it's, it's nuts. Like, Wayne Gretzky, we often forget this because the main part of his career was in the 80s. He played into the dead puck era in the late 90s, and in his final season in his late 30s put up 53 assists in 70 games yeah he is the greatest of all time if he grew up in this generation with this training with everything he wouldn't skate like Connor mcdavid he wouldn't shoot like zidane ochara but he'd still be the smartest player on the ice by a country mile Hunter Saunders says, hello, friends. Uh, through the preseason, Mo's showing he can pretty he pretty much can't be sent to Germany, right? With Erickson's injury, do we throw him in the deep end for a couple of games to start the season before calling him, recalling him to Grand Rapids? Or do we play Chalosky slash Daly anyways? My depth chart right now is DeKaiser Ronick, Nemeth Green, insert poor left-handed defenseman, Bowie, 
with Mo and Chlosky right there. I know he's young, but impressed enough to maybe get a cup of coffee for me. Thanks, guys. Liverpool are top of the league. That is all. I agree with the last point. Uh, he won't. He'll probably, if he stays in Grand Rapids, he'll probably get a cup of tea in Detroit this year, but that'll be more of the Zadina treatment where he'll get it towards the end of the year, uh, not to throw him in the fire like what happened with Heronic uh, and Hicketts and company last year. Um, I want him to be in Grand Rapids, but I also want him to be somewhere he's going to play. So if the if they're going to send him to Grand Rapids and they're going to give him ice time ahead of Sariarvi, ahead of Lashoff, ahead of McElrath, and they're going to put him on that top pair, that's my ideal choice. But if Ben Simon, the coach of Grand Rapids, says, yeah, we can play him on the bottom pair, then I'd rather him go back to Germany and play significant yeah. <laughs> minutes. It's all, it's, excuse me, it's all about time on ice at this point. And I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be playing higher-end minutes in Grand Rapids. I agree. That's the ideal scenario right now. It's funny because we were completely okay with him going back to Germany, but he has just been so impressive where we're like, oh, you know what? Germany would have been fine, but he very clearly has demonstrated that he doesn't need that They play on Olympic-sized ice in Germany? Yes. Yeah. It's Let's that. get him transitioned to the North American game. Yeah. I agree. And he's too good. To, and a couple people, when I brought the, the ice size up, they're like, well, why can't he just go to Owen Sound of the OHL? He's You don't want to go to Owen Sound, period. That, and also, he's <laughs> no. too good for the OHL. Uh, Don Mitchell says, "What what's up, boys? Just hoisted the Stars and Sticks Championship Cup with the Omaha Pirates. Started the tournament with a four-goal game, followed by a four-assist game. You can say I'm an all-around player. Def- definitely not a good enough uh, for semi-pro. Weird what is this? F- weird flex, Brad. Uh, <laughs> I'm still floored about winning the ticket for the home opener. Thank you guys so much. Can't wait to meet you all. Oh, yeah. Don's one of our lucky winners for oh, the nice. home opener. Uh, would you, uh, what would your opening lineup be at this point? We've seen everyone play at least one preseason game, and I want to know who's impressed you so far. We're going to save lineup projections for the Red Wings season preview. Yeah, once the Red Wings tells everybody who they've cut so we can sound smarter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you see in any world that the Red Wings take a page out of the Toronto playbook and bulk retire numbers in one season? They'd retire 6, 13, 16, 40, et cetera, all at the same time. Thanks again, boys. Cheers, Don. I don't see it. They're going to need to sell tickets. So if they're going to do it, they'll spread them out. Yeah. Uh, that and you don't want to take too many numbers off the books. Yeah. yeah. Once. Um, yeah everybody in Montreal is going to be wearing like number 50 plus at some point. Mark says, hello, fellas. It's my first time doing one of these, so be gentle. I've been quite vocal about Joe Valeno being ready for the big leagues. I think he's easily one of the top six forwards in the wings. That being said, and assuming we're tanking for another season, Zadina is going through a crisis of confidence. As much as I think Valeno is ready, I also think him being in Grand Rapids with Zadina will help Zadina back on track with scoring goals. Plus, having those two build their chemistry together will only help in a couple years when we're actually trying to get into the playoffs. What do you think on this subject and how their development is dependent on each other, particularly for Zadina? I think that's an excellent point. I would maybe shy away from saying that Zadina needs Valeno, but I think it would be a huge benefit to be playing with him. Zadina needs a player like Valeno, someone who can get him the puck, but can also score goals so that it takes coverage off of Zadina because they know he'll be the trigger man. So a well-rounded playmaker like Valeno fits the bill. Taro Hirose probably fits that bill. If he's in Detroit, not that he's to an, a, a very good level, but a Franz Nielsen fits that bill. He just needs a player like that. Uh, on a liquor-related topic, will you be smuggling a case of Pink Whitney back to Canada when you're in the States for the meetup? Take care and thanks for the podcast. No, that sounds gross. I heard it's okay. It, the, the concept of it, vodka and pink lemonade, sounds gross. 
Uh, Alex Zucco says, hey guys, coming to you from Grand Rapids and seeing the previous questions about prospects who will be with the Griffins for at least part of the year. It got me thinking about the major logjam of defensemen that will be there. Lashoff and McElrath are the veteran fixtures. And then you've got four spot for the six of Chlosky, Kasky, Hickett, Saryavi, Lindstrom, and Sider. Assuming the Red Wings carry seven defensemen and Bowie is a seventh and Sider stays stateside, how do they make it all fit? They might carry eight defensemen. They're probably, they're almost certainly going to have to carry eight, unless there's an injury. May have to send a guy or two to the East ECHL. It appears. Curious what you guys think. Uh, don't be surprised if Sarjarvi is not long in this in this org either. There's I, a lot of expendable pieces here. That's the reality of it. It's just who's going to be to go. Uh, Rowan says, "Well, well, well, dud duds. I would say it's difficult to believe you censored me, but this is the second time it's happened, and I'm sure it's because Brad is a cop." Oh, now I'm the cop. So, uh, yeah, I can only assume you've kept this secret in a stay fresh cheese bag for so long as as it is the only product guaranteed to keep your terrible, shameful secrets fresh for long periods of time. Stay fresh cheese bags, a Fournier company and cops choice. Will I receive a, will I receive a Patreon refund for you again breaching your own terms and conditions? Will you be issuing me an official letter of apology? Uh, yes, I will uh, refund you that episode, and I've launched a third party independent investigation by one Mika Crisco. That's our lead investigator. Uh, oh, we are screwed. Has Brad talked about his hockey game again? Yeah, well, minus three, bud. That's why you were scratched the next game. No one cares about your goal. That was clearly goaltender interference Jeez. in Jeb Flashel's eyes. boy. Uh, you've you had all episode to talk about the hockey, so it's Rugby World Cup recap time, <laughs> which will be a recurring recurring segment for the next 36 days. Best game so far was Georgia gallantly going down to Wales. The Lilos scored tries through, though, Shalva Mamukashvili and Levan Chilachava. A few other standouts were veterans Mamuka Gorgodze and Georgi Tashvili, and also Tato Abjandadze. My God. It's a good story. He played in the U20 Rugby World Cup earlier this year as well. Oh, man. I think I have a speech impediment now. Uh, I just had a stroke. Uruguay pulled off the biggest upset thus far, outplaying Fiji and hanging on for a win in a classic. The balance has gone to script. So far, so fun with the pool games. Jersey time. I sent you dummies with the link with all the Rugby World Cup jerseys. Pick your three favorites. Here's the link for those playing at home. In conclusion, Brad is a cop. Uh, I'll put it in our group chat, and we can continue with the questions. I saw we have got murdered by, I think, Italy, and now we have to play New Zealand next. So I think they're either going to just pick people in their population at random to play us, or they're just going to call the game. Uh, Luke Johnson says, who scores the first goal of the season? Um, I think Hunter has this right here by saying either Abdulkader or Daly. I will say Anthony Mantha. Yeah. Evan, is that who you say? Ryan Kuffner. You think he's going to make the roster? No, I don't know. Or Rugby um, World Cup jerseys. Who scored the first goal last year? I'll just go for the repeat. Chalosky. Oh, that wouldn't be bad. Ooh, Welsh uh, kids are nice. Buddy, what is this crap that you sent me? Well, load yeah, your thing. To... I don't know. It ain't loading. I'm getting... Oh, Canada's black unis are amazing. Yeah. Except we suck. Yeah, that's okay. I, it's it's got to be... It's not our thing. Oh, yeah. Those blacks are Canada's sweet. black unis, Fiji's black and white kits, and New Zealand's. I do like South Africa's green and gold. Yeah. Uh, Adam Flett says, okay, you got you get to rewrite one thing. The last series of Game of Thrones or Abby's contract. 
Look, Abby's contract, and it's not for debate. I loathed Game of Thrones last season, but it's Abby's contract. There's a lot of people up in arms about Game of Thrones winning or not winning Emmys, and yeah. I was very surprised because they I were didn't... nominated for writing, and their writing sucked. I thought their writing was not good. Yeah. I, I didn't think there were very many worthwhile acting nominations like that they got, and some they didn't, that people were surprised they didn't. I didn't really think anybody was a standout this season. I didn't pay attention to the Emmys on anything. I have no idea who won, lost, or was nominated. So I'll say I'm offended by all the decisions. Uh, hey, you're fitting in as a Game of Thrones fan. Perfect. Gastineau says, I was watching the game Wednesday night and Abby somehow looked okay. Will Athens, you and Mantha's contracts be over or under six, $6 million next year if they both score 30? If they both score 30, that's going to be an over. I think Mantha's will come in a touch over. I think they'll both yeah, come in between six and six and a half. Would that be fair? If they both scored over 30 uh, for essentially consecutive seasons because Mantha was on that pace. I don't know. I get a gut feeling that their contracts begin with a seven. Yep. For a back-to-back 30 goal scores on a team that is struggling for goals. Yeah. Yeah, they'll have some leverage. Tony Hatcher, which is a brand new patron, so welcome to the Dub Dub family, Tony. Thank you for your support. He says, hey, guys, really enjoy the show. Picked you up this spring while I was doing a lot of driving and wish I hadn't waited until 2019 to give listening to podcasts a try. Well, glad you picked it up. And tell your friends. Um, I moved to Pittsburgh a year ago, and while I've had fun throwing Jim Rutherford's mistakes in my new friend's faces uh, and predicting them to be in our position in five years, it's going to be less fun if he somehow manages to move Jack Johnson, like the local rumor mill is reporting. Anyways, I've been missing too much of the preseason because NHL TV is always buggy for me until the regular season actually kicks off. I've liked what I've seen from Cider, Valeno, Hiroshi, and what I've been able to catch from before my stream failed. Uh, Eisenman needs to find a way to make room for Cider and Grand Rapids this year, and I think that's probably the best place for Valeno to start the season as well. I agree with you guys and Max. Hiroshi seems like a lock to start the season, probably on the second line, but I'm less enthusiastic about him for the long term. I see his ceiling as a good to above average bottom six guy. Uh, to me, that's something to be happy about, but not excited. I guess I don't understand the hype, and my question is more of a request to tell me how I'm wrong or being overly negative. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I think he's going to be a good, serviceable second-line winger. I think he'll be excellent playing the half-full on the power play, and he'll be a guy to set up other guys for for some shots. He's a, he's a natural playmaker with a high hockey IQ. Those don't grow on trees. I think he'll be a great third-liner slash a serviceable second-line winger, and that's a really good thing. You'll be a good third liner if it's an offensive third line because he is not fit to play a defensive role. He's a second line player on a bad team like us. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, thanks again for the work you guys put in. It's great. Really glad the season is about to start and you're about to do two episodes a week. Uh, a week early. Let's go Red Wings. Uh, Joseph Fournier says, hey, fellas, if you haven't yet, send your condolences over to uh, George Malik of the Malik Report. Yes. Um, the news uh, came out that George Malik's mother passed away. Mm. Oh, um, I thought it was him. I was like, Jesus. So our condolences to, to George. Um, obviously, terrible news. George is a fixture within the Red Wings uh, community. So, um the entire Red Wings community is keeping him in our uh, thoughts. Uh, I talked about this in the Discord because I have nothing better to do with my time. According to Cap Friendly, Justin Applicator's two most comparable contracts are Michael Froelich and Benoit Pouliot, but Pouliot was bought out in 2017. Froelich was scoring at a rate of uh, 0.48 points per game at 4.3 million in salary per year. Pouliot scored at a 0.56 rate his first two seasons, then a 0.21 rate his last season under that comparable contract, which gave him an overall 0.46 per game average at $4 million a year before being bought out the final two years. Abdulkader currently scores at a rate of 0.36 points per game 
That 19-point output last year brought his average down a little. He scores erratically, and often his output comes in spurts. Uh, he would have to score at a rate of 40-plus points per season at an average of 70 games per season, given his average games played, to reach the ballpark of having an effective contract during the overall length. Jeez. The question isn't whether or not he could do it. That is an emphatic no. Not counting his alternate captaincy, penalty killing, locker room presence, etc. Could the Red Wings get better value buying him out and filling a spot with a rookie who could potentially score 40 points? Cough, Joe Valeno. I made Ryan say comes in spurts. LOL. Stay fresh. Cheese bags. Uh, uh, you could get value in the lineup by replacing him with just about anybody. But when you're looking at the long-term cap projection of the team, that's a negative value move to yeah. buy him out. Until... Until he's closer to the end of the contract when if you buy him out with two years left, you're only screwed with a minor cap hit for four years. If you buy him out now, you're stuck with part of his cap hit for, what, eight years? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of um, buying him out and, and having that cap just on forever. Like, I don't want a Mike DiPietro situation. You do it? Rick DiPietro. <laughs> Mike DiPietro. Yeah, my bad. Poor, poor guy. Poor guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't buy out players by just just by rule almost. You don't buy players out until your team's expected to be good. Yeah, yeah. You if you can avoid it, you don't do it. All right, two weeks. That's that. Well, half of that. Half of that. That's half of that. Uh, thank you all so much for bearing through the off season. It is officially over. Our next episode is going to be the Central Division preview. And then the one after that is going to be our Red Wings season preview. And then we're going to see you all in Detroit for the home opener on October 6th. Founders Taproom Detroit. Uh, also, guys, we have some exciting new giveaways that we have not uh, announced yet. But they are big, big giveaways that are going to be happening throughout the season. So stay tuned for that. Huge. Huge. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our name level sponsors Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Don Mitchell, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, uh, Antonio uh, Lupu. Antonio! Lupo. Welcome. <laughs> what just fell? I don't know. You can catch it on the YouTube video with these lights. <laughs> Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Mike DiLoretto, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. And we will see you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.